The immature say, God, where are you? God, you don't see. God, you're not blessing me. God, how come I'm not seeing this in my life? In almost every case, when we're complaining to God, we're complaining about the horizontal. We're complaining about this temporal earth. But those who fear the Lord, they look up and they say, no, God sees me. I, I, I want you to hear this today because it's the fear of the Lord that smashes through the fear of man. Hi, loved ones, and welcome back to Live in the Light. We're glad that you're here today. My name is Craig Turnbull. I get to host this program, and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. And hey, you're joining us in the middle of our series we call Return to Me. We're going verse by verse through exciting texts of Scripture in the book of Malachi. And Robbie, today's message is another great, powerful truth on the fear of the Lord. I want to I ask, do you, do you know what it means to fear the Lord. Do you do you know, even more importantly, do you know how much God cares that we fear his name? And by fear, we're not uh, hiding in the corner, terrified of being you know, punished. No, no, no. It's the reverence. It's the worship. It's the awe that is due to the Lord alone. In our text today, we find out there's a group of people who do not fear the Lord, and they will suffer as a result because they miss out on blessing. Then there's a group of people who do fear the Lord, and you know what the text says? So beautiful. The text says, and the Lord paid attention to them and heard them. And he said, you are my treasured possession. That is awesome. That is what is found in the life that fears the Lord. But let's be honest, loved ones, let's be honest. Most of our lives are lived in trying to live in the self-absorption, self-indulgence, being self-consumed. But that's not the life of the Christ follower. The life of the Christ follower is called to look up not to look within, but to look at him who fills and guides. And that's where life is lived. That's why this text written 2,500 years ago is as relevant now as it was then. Be blessed today. Grow in the fear of the Lord and see how much the Lord will do in you as a result. All right, let's jump right away into God's word. Malachi chapter three, verse 13. And here again is Pastor Robbie with today's message. So what we've done each message in this series is we've taken our title directly from the text that we were in for that day. And so this week, our title comes from Malachi chapter four, verse two. And it's found in the phrase that says this, but for you who fear my name, but for you who fear my name. Now, what is that statement? Okay, think about this whole series. What is that statement? Yet another call from God for his people to return to him. But for you who fear my name, it's almost, um, and it is really, it's an invitation, isn't it? But for you who fear my name, it's kind of left there for a moment. There's an invitation, even sense in this phrase, there's a, a package of life, um, a package of love, a package of blessing that's about to be opened. God's like, but for you who fear my name, are you going to be one who fears my name? If you fear my name, you, I'm going to give this package to you and you open it, it's going to be filled with such blessing and love and grace. And, but it's a but, see the contrast, see that in Malachi 4, but, but for you, so there's others who don't. There are those who don't fear the name of the Lord, that don't esteem him, 
that aren't concerned with his glory, but for you who do fear my name, he says, then there's gonna be blessing. The but presents the contrast, which grabs the attention, which should heighten even now as I'm saying this over you, but for you who fear my name, there should be, yeah, what? There should be an expectancy. There should be a level of urgency. It's like, yes, yes, uh, tell me what is there what is there for those who fear the name of the Lord? Well, the answer to that question, how we're going to answer that question is allowing Malachi 4 verse 2 to become the hub of our text or the anchor, if you will, that we're going to tie other truths to. But for you who fear my name, and what we're going to see from the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4, we're going to see three truths that relate to those who fear the name of the Lord, okay? If you've been tracking it all with Malachi, you know how important this is to God. You know how much he cares for the heart that fears his name, that honors him, and he does it again here as he ends this book. So what's gonna happen today, okay? We're gonna look at examples and truths that relate to, but for those who fear my name. Now, we're gonna start negative, then we're gonna get positive, then we're gonna get negative again, we're gonna end positive, okay? Can't just leave you negative, all right? But it's gonna go like negative, positive, negative, positive, and by the end, I pray that you'll be encouraged, but there is a level of seriousness in this message as well, but I'm just saying to you what God has said. That's my job, that's what I'm called to do, and by God's grace, I will do that right now, okay? So we start first with the negative point number one. We see a group of people who lack the fear of the Lord. Now, people who lack the fear of the Lord, here's what you can expect. A calloused heart and a complaining heart. So right now, uh, you take a self-exam where you are. God's word just barely been open so far, but already is my heart calloused? Is a heart of complaint. How do I approach the Lord? How have I been this day? How have I been this week? Okay, look at verse uh, 13 of chapter three. Chapter three, verse 13. This is God saying, your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. I mean, just imagine God saying that to you. Your words have been hard against me. But the people say, how have we spoken against you? You have said, so here's what the people have complained. It shows how hard their hearts are. It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge, obedience, or of walking as in mourning? What's the point of saying sorry for our sins before the Lord of hosts? And now this is their big complaint. And now we call the arrogant blessed. Now, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. Verses 13 and 15, in some ways, summarize again the heart problem of God's people since the book of Malachi began. Here we are again, all the exhortations, nothing's really changed. But check that, verses 13 to 15 really describe the heart problem of God's people throughout the entire Old Testament. There's a period where they're faithful to God, their hearts go astray, they walk in disobedience, they make false idols, they complain to God about his injustice to them, and they drift away. God shows mercy, calls them back, disciplines them, they return, they find themselves in a better place, but then the heart starts to drift again. It's amazing this pattern of right with God, wrong with God, right with God, wrong with God, and this is the pattern of the heart we see all the time. Now, if you and I are wise right now, we're not just like, man, the people of Malachi's day, what a... What a bunch of dummies. Or the people in the Old Testament, wow, man. Those, they, why couldn't they just get it right? They had all the reason. The, the wise person right now says, is my heart like that? Do I have a heart problem? Is my heart calloused? Am I filled with a lack of contentment and instead filled with complaint versus the Lord? Notice in verse 13, um, Israel had been speaking against God in a, says, a hard way. That's a harsh or 
sinful way. Notice this. Again, put your heart on the table right now. There's no gratitude to the Lord from them. There's the opposite. There's complaining. There's protest. Just as their ancestors went before them, their hearts moved to complaint, not contentment. Again, would you describe yourself? Be honest right now. Are you prone to complaining or contentment? And sometimes we don't see ourselves as we should because the pride and sin of our heart blinds us. So maybe in a very honest moment, you could turn, not now, that won't be appropriate in church, but at some point, ask your spouse or ask a really good friend and just say, how would you describe me? Am I one to be known for complaining or contentment? Gratitude or whining? When you fear the name of the Lord, we're gonna see in a few moments, the complaining starts to go away pretty quickly. Because all you see is the beauty and the mercy and the love and the grace of God upon your life and in his holiness. But notice what the people do when God says, you've spoken hard things against me. They protest again. They argue with God. They dispute with him. They say, how have we spoken against you? You know, as they say that right there in our initial verses, that is the seventh time in Malachi the people have disputed with God. I want to put all seven disputations on the screen for you to see. This is one way you can outline Malachi from start to finish. This is a legitimate way, and we have almost, you could preach through Malachi in this way, study Malachi in this way. Here are the seven statements of dispute God's people have made with God himself, okay? Back in chapter one, how have you loved us, Lord? God says, oh yeah, God, how have you loved us? It's not like, how have you loved us? Sincerely, God, tell us, how have you loved us? No, no, it's a, it's a state of complaining. It's a state of, again, they're not, they're not pleased. How have we despised you, God? We haven't despised you. Show us, how have we done this? How have we polluted you, God? How have we given you our leftovers? How have we wearied him? I don't think we wearied him. He's wearied us. How have we wearied him? How shall we return, God? Tell us, how should we do it? God, how have we, we haven't robbed you. We're, we're giving a, a, a portion. We haven't robbed you, God. How have we done this? Again, it's not being asking a genuine concern. It's asking in the sense of like, prove it, God, prove it. And then today, how have we spoken against you, God? Show us some evidence. Isn't that always the case when, a lot of people, and this is a great check for your heart right now, for mine right now, often when there's an accusation made against us or someone tries to convict us of something that's been wrong, it's amazing how the proud heart instantly says, prove it, show me. You got any examples of that? Because I'll refute every single one because I've been to law school of my own sin and I'll show you who's right. And who. Isn't it amazing how the heart does that? And that's really in many ways the heart of God's people here before the, but before the Lord, before the Lord. And we look at verses 14 and 15 of, of chapter three and they're asking, okay, God, show us. So God gives a detailed answer of how their hearts are calloused and how their hearts have complained. Allow me to paraphrase, paraphrase verses 14 and 15. Here's what God's people are basically saying about to God. What's the point in serving God? Why bother with obedience to God? Why be sorry for our sins? After all, he just blesses those who does evil. I mean, after all, the proud are the ones who seem to get blessed. And those who dare God to judge them, they escape every time. This is what God's people are saying to God. Now notice inherent in these phrases here, okay? Notice what's happening. The Israelites are assuming their own godliness. See that? So they're sitting here saying, we're right, we're righteous, but the wicked are the ones that are blessed. And yet, again, again such a point of insight right here, okay? The very words they are saying to the Lord is blasphemy on themselves. 
In fact, their sin, accusing God in his character, is greater than the sin they're pointing out to God of other people. It shows you the blindness and the foolishness that comes upon people who lack the fear of the Lord in their life. They have the greater sin, but they can't even see it. That's the state of a heart that has gone south. You can't see your own sin. You just see the sin in others. It's the log in your own eye. This massive log sticking, Jesus said, in your own eye, you're walking around and everyone can see this massive log, but all you want to do is try to pick out the speck in your brother or sister's eye. The whole time you have this massive two by four sticking out of your face. That was an interesting spot for a hallelujah. (laughs) But the point is being made, right? When our hearts are in the wrong place, we are blind to what matters most to us. Okay, notice, blind to sin, our own sin. Notice, when we lack the fear of the Lord, consumed with self. That's our society. That's the temptation of every person here every day. Make it about me, make it about me, make it about me. Right, so what happened there? When you lose the fear of the Lord, what happens? You're filled with the fear of men. You're filled with the love of self. Eyes off of God, off of, onto something, most likely myself. And there's, what about us, God? What about us? How come they're getting, see what's happening there? That's not the Lord. And there's also the vision itself. They can't actually see God. A lack of the fear of the Lord leads to a calloused heart. So you lose your sensitivity. Some of you are here right now and there's no sensitivity to the things of God. Um, There's no feeling, passion, a love. Maybe you're here right now and you're singing the songs, but these words are incredibly beautiful and yet it's in your head, but it's not reached your heart. I don't know all the reasons for that, okay? Like the Lord does. But it's a wonderful question to ask and say, is, there, is, is my heart being callous? When something gets calloused, it loses its sensitivity. It loses its feeling. You can like scratch it, but there's no feeling there. When the heart gets calloused, this is what happens. And the lack of the fear of the Lord is what contributes to the hardening of the heart. That's the negative. Now God's word takes us to the positive. Point number two, filled with fear, reverent and remembered, okay? Now, remember, fear here is good. This isn't negative fear, anxiety. Fill with the fear of the Lord. Those who are filled with the fear of the Lord, they will be filled with reverence and they will be remembered. Look at chapter three, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. Wow, okay, let's stop right there for a second. That reminds me of Proverbs 25, verse six. Listen carefully, so beautiful. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. The friendship of the Lord. Isn't that so beautiful for those who fear him? See what's happening here? The complainers huddled together and they began to whine. God's not treating us well. We're hard done by. Life is so tough. But notice the godly. It's the soft hearts. They come together. Again, notice verse 18 or verse 16. Those who fear the Lord spoke with one another. So they come together in a, in a huddle of righteousness in the Lord. And they speak to one another encouraging words in the fear of the Lord. Now just, just picture that. Those who fear the Lord, always a remnant, loved ones. Always a remnant. And they come together, and what a beautiful picture this is for God's people. What a beautiful picture this is for the church. That there would be people coming together. This is what this fellowship should be. More than just preaching, and as as important as this is, it is the the center point of the church, God's word. 
but beyond that as well, around the truths of God's word to come together in fellowship, in community, to encourage one another in the things of the fear of the Lord. This is what they were doing. And now notice what happens with the Lord here. Notice what happens, okay? It says this. It says the Lord, verse 16, paid attention, okay? So right away, those who fear the Lord, the eyes of the Lord go upon them. Notice what it says next in verse 16. And the Lord heard them. This is so beautiful, okay? So now God sees and hears. So you have a gathering of men and women who honor Christ and fear him, and God's like, I'm coming over to see what's going on over here. And he looks in and he listens in and he hears what's being said as a group of people seek, see, see what can happen within this church when it's rooted in the fear and honor of the Lord. The God of glory looks in, he listens in here. See what I really see what's happening right here is automatically when, when the Lord finds a fear and a reverence, right? The fear of the Lord, it's the, it's the reverent worship of his name and his glory. You're living for his honor. You speak this way. You want to live this way. You sing this way. You, again, it comes from your life. Notice, it, the fear of the Lord gives off a fragrance that rises to the nostrils of God. It's something that's irresistible to him. This is why the Bible says, again, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. This is why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is why the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. This is why the reward for fear of the Lord and humility is riches, honor, and life. Because the fear of the Lord from our lives gives off a fragrance that the Lord cannot resist. He is drawn to it and he looks down, he hears, and he loves the people who do that. But he's not done. Look at what verse 16 continues to say, okay? And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Are you kidding me? That's incredible. Now remember, the major complaint of the calloused. Put your heart on the table. Put your heart on the table right now. The major complaint of the calloused was, where's God? He's not listening. He doesn't care. He's blessing the evil. See how they missed it? They missed it all. And then God responds, well, actually, I'm not missing anything. And what he says is, not only am I not missing this, for those people who love me, who fear me, who trust me in the midst of difficulty, who believe in the unity that is found in the Trinity itself and the love of God, notice this, they don't say God's not listening. Their reverence of God fills their lives. And listen, the remembrance within God fills God's own heart. So not only, not only do we not now say, God, you're not seeing me. I'm complaining because life isn't going the way I want to. The fear of the Lord reverses that entirely. And now you're aware that God keeps a journal. Do you keep a journal? I keep a journal. What do I write down? I write down victories in the Lord. I write down how God is changing me, chastening me, disciplining me, how God is providing, how God is sustaining, how you, you write down the joys, you write down the things you're learning, you write down the transformation, you write down the remembrance of the grace and the faithfulness of God. Journaling's good. God keeps a journal too. His journal consists of those who fear his name. He says, like, I remember. He says, in fact, I, I write it down. It doesn't stop there. Verse 17. They shall be mine. Who's that for today? You just God Almighty, the God of the universe says, they're mine. They're mine. 
Notice, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession, notice the past tense here, okay? In the day when I will, future tense, spare them as a man spares his son who serves him, okay? See what's happening here? So the reverend are remembered. The reverend are also treasured. In that day when I make them my treasured possession, how does not this not remind us of 1 Peter 2, 9? That you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So for sure in line with Malachi 3 verse 17 and what's happening here in 1 Peter 2, 9. And what is this, loved ones? What is this but the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news that all have sinned and fallen short in the glory of God when they put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, when they turn to him, their sins are forgiven. Their, their, their slate is wiped clean. They are now uh, presented as righteous because of Jesus Christ before the Lord. They are saved from sin. They, they become alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that moment, here's the gospel, they become a child of God adopted and they instantly become a treasure possession of the Lord. And they now live not for the world, they live for what will be. That is the power of the gospel. This is seen right here, right now. So again, again, look, 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 look. A huge point of Christian maturity right now. The immature say, God, where are you? God, you don't see. God, you're not blessing me. God, how come I'm not seeing this in my life? And almost every case, when we're complaining to God, we're complaining about the horizontal. We're complaining about this temporal earth. But those who fear the Lord, they look up and they say, no, God sees me. I, I, I want you to hear this today because it's the fear of the Lord that smashes through the fear of man. And so many of you right now are, are devastated by living in the fear of man. The fear of man controls you, consumes you. The fear of man guides you. The fear of man cripples you. The Lord says to you right now, I want you to receive this from the Lord himself, right from his word, because that's all I'm doing, telling you God's word. God says to you, he says, I see you. I see you. I see everything that you're going through. I see you. He says, I hear you. I hear not one word is passed by my ears. He says this. He says, listen, I treasure you. I treasure you. If you are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, treasured possession of the Lord. He says this. He says, I've saved you. I saved you. It's not a temporal salvation. It's not maybe hit and miss one day. It's on next day. It's off. Nope eternally secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says this, listen, he says, I love you. He says, I love you. Those who are filled with the fear of the Lord, this is the truth that is their foundation for life. This is what propels them to not give up. This is what guides them to what is their reality, glory that is before them. Because you see what happens in verse 18 now? Verse 18. Then once more, you shall see. Again, look, look, at, look at all what God's saying. You shall, I will, on that day, right? Future tense. The once, once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. So once more you shall see. Those who fear my name, you shall see. You know that phrase in life when we say, you'll see. How do I know? And you're like, you just, you just know, like you know the outcome. You're like, you'll see, you'll see. You know what I'm talking about? Just wait, you'll see, you'll see. We just know what's gonna happen. It's often a really good, that's what God's saying right here. He's like, you'll see. How do we know God? Fear the Lord, fear the Lord. Like, you'll see, like, yeah, yeah, I will see. 
One day I will see. I will see what? There will be a distinction made between the righteous and the wicked. A distinction made between those who serve God and those who do not. A distinction made between those who are truly in Christ, those who are not. There'll be distinction made between those who are saved and those who are not saved. Once we learn here, ready, ready? Learn this. Stop allowing our emotions and worth to rise and fall based on our temporal circumstances. That's the key right here. I'll say it again. Stop allowing your emotions and worth to rise and fall based upon what's happening temporally in this world. God continues to call us over and over and over again. This world isn't it. This world isn't it. This life in the terms of eternity is a speck, is a speck, a vapor, a mist, like the grass come and go. And then eternity begins. You gotta be reminded, it's one of the things God says over and over and over again. On this note, let's go New Testament, Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 23. This whole section of scripture is groaning for glory. You know what's right that we're supposed to groan, right? You realize that? Groaning's good. We're to groan for what is to be. How many people have figured out the art of groaning yet? Anyone? Anyone? Groaning? 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 Where are you? Where are you? I see a couple right here. Any more? Okay, okay, the rest of you, come on now. It's so biblical. You got to learn to groan. You say, what do you mean by that? Okay, well, notice this. Not only the creation is groaning. You realize that creation is groaning? Earthquakes, storms, natural disasters, just the cause of sin all throughout the earth. It's groaning. Climate change, whatever you want to say, all that's it's signs of groaning that there's something greater coming. The earth itself is longing for the new heavens and new earth where everything is restored to the way it was supposed to be in utter perfection. The earth itself is groaning. Creation is groaning. The universe is groaning. Awesome. But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Okay, so if you're filled with the Spirit of God, if you're saved, born again, regeneration, you are saved in Jesus Christ, you are to groan. When the Spirit of God is within you, the Spirit of God is saying, this world isn't it. Don't live for the world. The Spirit of God is saying, it's not true. It's not real. It won't last. It's a lie. Live for Christ. Heaven's coming. Glory is about to be. Jesus Christ will return and all will be made right. All the pain and sin will be gone. The Spirit of God, even now in you, says, it's true, it's true, it's true, because it says it right here. We ourselves, with the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly. We groan, we long. You should be like when you're walking and you hurt yourself or wake up and you feel so old and, and you're aching. That's groaning. That's groaning. You can turn the aches of your body into spiritual worship in a sense because you know you're made for something greater than this. Greater than this, amen. Oh my goodness. Greater than this, right? That day's coming, it's coming. It's good to groan. We groan as we see the pain in the world. We groan in the darkness. We groan and wait eagerly, eagerly. See, if I'm doing a Bible, then, oh, some green showed up. Awesome. That's amazing. Now what? Okay, here's the theology of this right here, okay? Look at this. So we're groaning what? For adoption as sons. You say, wait, wait, I thought I, thought I was adopted in Jesus Christ. If I'm saved in him, I'm adopted. Yes, it's the already and not yet. Big point of theology. There's a present reality, but there's also a future coming reality as well. So we are adopted as sons, but we're not fully saved yet in terms of our glorification. The Bible says we have been saved. Justification, we are being saved. Sanctification, we shall be saved. Glorification. So there's past, present, future tense. This time, future tense of salvation. See, there's so much more to come. And the redemption, well, I thought I was redeemed by the cross of Jesus Christ and his blood shed for me. I was purchased. 
by him. That's true, that's true. But notice the redemption of our bodies, there it is. I'm telling you, man, I think I'm teaching right now, it's, it's good to groan. It's good to groan about your weakness and how, how old you're getting and realizing you're not getting any younger, right? Hey, young people, your turn's coming. Your turn's coming. You feel like you're all, you know, unbeatable, unbreakable. You'll see, you'll see, all right? Look, look at that. For in this hope, in this hope we were saved. See that? That's so awesome. In the hope of what? Redemption, adoption, you know, for our salvation, groaning. This is all, this is all part of fearing the Lord. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these free resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. If you'd like to get a copy of the entire series, make sure you phone us at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-225-4448. Our mailing address in Canada is 500 Great Lakes Boulevard in Oakville, Ontario. Our postal code is L6L6X9. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light. I want